Good morning. I forgot that I was opening the service this morning. Just old patterns. Sorry. Yeah, so today is Andrew's first Sunday, and we've been talking about Andrew coming and filling in uh, some Sundays for us this summer, and this was his first, this is his first week, and we thought we would, I would take the opportunity to welcome Andrew and give you an opportunity to welcome Andrew, and uh, great to have you here. And uh, so just uh, stand with us and, and worship the Lord and give it a little extra just to make sure, you know, Andrew knows how supportive we are too to, to help him uh, in his role here. So God bless you. We'll talk a little later this morning. Blessed be your name in the land that is plentiful. Where streams of abundance flow, blessed be your name. Blessed be your name when I'm found in the desert place. Walk through the wilderness, blessed be your name. every blessing you pour out I'll turn back to praise when the darkness closes in Lord still I will say oh, blessed be the name of the Lord blessed be your name blessed be the name of the Lord Blessed be your glorious name. And blessed be your name when the sun's shining down on me, when the world's all as it should be. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. On the road marked with suffering, there was pain in the offering. Blessed be your name. And every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. When the darkness closes in, Lord, still I will say blessed be the name of the Lord blessed be your name blessed be the name of the Lord blessed be your glorious name oh blessed be the name of the Lord blessed be your name blessed be of the Lord, blessed be your glorious name. You give and take away, you give and take away. My heart will choose to say, Lord, blessed be your name. You give and take away, you give and take away, my 
my heart will choose to say Lord blessed be your name blessed be the name of the Lord blessed be your name blessed be the name of the Lord blessed be your glorious name oh blessed be the name of the Lord Blessed be your name, blessed be the name of the Lord, oh, blessed be your glorious name. Oh Lord my Some wonder, consider all the worlds thy hands have made. I see the stars, I hear the roaring thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed. Then sings my soul my savior god to thee how great thou art how great thou art then sings my soul my savior god to thee how great thou Sparing, sent him to die. I scarce can take it in that on that cross my burden gladly bearing, he bled and died to take away my sin. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great Thou art, how great Thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great Thou art. Christ shall come with shout of acclamation and take me home with joy shall fill my heart then I shall bow in humble adoration and there proclaim my God, how great Thou art! Then sings my soul, my 
Savior God to Thee. How great Thou art, how great Thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to Thee. How great Thou art, how great Thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great Thou art, how great Thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great Thou art. Amen. Amen. Why don't you greet one another this morning before you're seated? Say hello to somebody. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, good morning. And uh, welcome to Evangel this morning. For those of you who are here in person, we're glad that you're here to worship together with us. And those of you who are watching via live stream today, we're glad that you're here too and to join with us. And our prayer is that God, by His Spirit, would touch our hearts and lives. And as we encounter Him, we are forever changed. And that's our prayer for all of us today, whether we're here in person or or watching from somewhere else. If you are on the live stream today, today we will be celebrating communion. And so uh, if you weren't aware of that, you can scramble and prepare for that at the end of the service this morning as we celebrate communion together. If this is your first Sunday, uh, then we want to welcome you especially and just let you know that we'd love to be able to connect with you and, and serve you and come alongside you in any way we can. And you'll see in the chair pouch in front of you, there's a connection card. And if you want to fill it out, at the end of the service, you can take it to the welcome desk in the foyer. And uh, as you hand it in there, uh, there's a small gift there from you, for you. you can, uh, uh, we'll try to answer any questions you might have. And if there's anything that we can do, any needs that you have, that we can come alongside and be supportive in, please don't hesitate to let us know. Uh, again, once again, I want to welcome uh, Andrew. And I want to say congratulations. Uh, also today, we, we have... Uh, this past weekend was a pretty exciting weekend for you in that you got engaged. Yeah, so congratulations. And Alicia is here, flashing the bling, right? She's here, yeah, showing everybody the ring. And uh, she's, uh, Alicia is going to be doing a fill-in at King Street in Oshawa for the next year, starting next Sunday. So she was able to be here to be supportive today. And uh, I see, there's, are these part of your, your uh, posse too? That's your family? Yeah, well, welcome family. Glad you're here. And uh, we're, we're just so delighted. So just welcome and congratulations to you, uh, Andrew and Alicia. Uh, just a couple of very quick announcements. Just the first one. Last Sunday, we announced that we will be once again participating in providing backpacks for Indigenous children in Northern Ontario. And uh, this year we have sponsored, I believe it's a grade one class of about 30 students, boys and girls. And uh, if you want to be a part of that, you can, the, to sponsor the entire backpack is 70. 
Uh, if that's more than you can provide, then you can just make your donation of whatever you can, and that will go towards it, and that will be great too. And our team here will be buying the supplies and assembling them. And uh, if you want to give through an e-transfer, you can do that at giving at epcoakville.com. And in the message line, just make sure you put in there that it's for backpacks. Just say backpacks, and we'll make sure it gets to where it's going. And over next Sunday as well, we'll be uh, continuing to collect. Of course, you can also put it in the offering and mark that on your envelope. And uh, so we want to get those ready so that at the end of the month, they can start making their way on the journey north and be there in time for when school opens in September. So uh, please keep that in mind. Our kids, you can make your way over to the side here. Your volunteers are waiting for you, and you can head out. We're going to receive our morning tithes and offerings, and uh, as many of you may be aware, there was a little glitch in the Rogers system this week, and I know that affected some people, indicated I wasn't able to send my e-transfers. Well, that's back and running. Uh, You know, I mean, when I called them with a problem, they just tell me to unplug it and plug it back in, but I I guess it was a little more severe than that, so otherwise it took a lot, it was a really big plug, I don't know. But anyway, we're back in now, and you are able to give uh, through e-transfer at giving at epcoakville.com, and uh, you're, you're able to do that. And just I want to make a comment on the offering. A couple months ago, we just kind of put a challenge out there, sort of post the significant shutdowns of COVID, indicating where we were. And so there's a good news, bad news story. The good news is that that our deficit two months later is no larger than it was two months ago. So that's a really good story. That's, that it's not continuing to increase. I mean, the, you know, the, the, the sad news, I guess, is that we, we're, we've not been able to really make up any ground, but I believe we'll do that as we're going forward. And really all we can do is our best. And then we, as I, as I often say, you know what? It's, church is like a family. You, you discern what your income is and you live within that. And so as long as we're doing our best, we'll, we'll get there and we'll accomplish uh, all that God has for us. So I'm going to ask our ushers to receive our morning tithes and offerings. I'm going to hand it back to Andrew to continue to lead us this morning. God bless you. step 
Your name 
Let the nation sing it louder Cause nothing has the power to say For your name Jesus this morning that as each and every one of us is gathered here, God, would you just uh, be encouraging us through your word that as Pastor Shannon comes to share, God, that you would just, uh, you would speak through the words that is said, Lord, through your word, God, that we would be encouraged and renewed, that we would learn something new about you. God, would you just be with each and every person here this morning? You know where they're at. You know what they're going through. So would you just continue to, to work on our hearts, God, and in our lives uh, this morning and, and into the next week and month and year. God, just pray that you would just be, continue to work, God. Would we remember that there's so much power in your name, God, that we can speak the name of Jesus and we can see miracles, God, that we can see you intervene into situations that seem impossible, God. Would we not be scared? Would we not uh, come as a last resort to your name, God? But would we understand that, that your name is powerful, God? So I just pray that you would be with us this morning, God. Would you bless each and every person here and watching on the live stream here in person? And even those that aren't able to, to make it this morning, God, would you just be with all of us? In your name we pray. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning is found in Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 to 38. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, 
proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Thank you. You may be seated. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, worship team, for leading us this morning. My father passed away at the age of 84 in February 1996. And more than 26 years later, his influence continues to shape my life. My father was uneducated, grade four actually, and that was common at the time where he grew up when young boys, when they were old enough, dropped out of school about grade four and started to work. In the winter, they would go into the woods and they would be cutting logs for the pulp and paper companies. And in the spring and the summer and the fall, they would fish hunt, and forage. Now, because of his lack of education, my father spent his entire life in low-paying labor jobs while raising a large family of 11 children. Now, there were many things about my father that he was not known for. He wasn't known for his brilliant academic mind, even though he was very wise. He wasn't admired for his business savvy, even though he lived the debt-free life. He wasn't envied for his financial success, even though somehow he was always able to provide what we needed. But what my father was known for was his integrity. He was known for his character. He was an honest man, and everyone who knew him knew that about him. He was a man of his word. If he said it, he would do it. If he said he was going to be there at 6 a.m. in the morning, he would be there at 5.30 a.m. in the morning. If he said that he would pay a bill by the end of the month, he would pay it a week early. If he promised to give you something, he would make sure that he followed up on that as soon as he had it. There was no need for contracts with my dad. A simple handshake was all you needed because he was known to be a man of his word. He was true to his word, to his family, to his friends, to everyone, to his church, a man of his word. Now, I believe it's important for us to regularly revisit the foundational things in our lives. Every once in a while, we need to revisit those foundational things, especially our faith. We need to revisit the foundation of our faith. And when I do, when I personally do that, without fail, I go back to Luke chapter 4. That's my go-to passage, Luke chapter 4. Jesus standing in the synagogue reading Isaiah 61. When I want to revisit foundational that's where I go. 
as Jesus is reading it, he's declaring what the kingdom of God is all about and what his mission and ultimately what our mission is all about. And so I did that recently. And as I considered his words for I don't know how many times I've done that, I found myself doing something that I had never done before. I found myself searching through the Gospels as a whole to find examples. I thought, okay, you stood up and you said those things. Now I want to find examples where you did what you said you were going to do in Luke chapter 4. And I found plenty of them confirming that Jesus was true to his word. He said it, and then he went and did it. He was true to his word. And so over the next four weeks, we're going to take each of the four statements that he made in Luke 4 and consider how an example of how he fulfilled each one, showing and reminding us that he is true to his word. Today we're going to start with the phrase, proclaiming good news to the poor. Proclaiming good news to the poor. The literal poor and the spiritual poor. And so we will see today that proclaiming the good news involves feeling the pain of another person and resolving to do something about it. Feeling the pain of another person and resolving to do something about it. And so the example of that statement in Luke 4 that we'll look at this morning is our scripture, Matthew chapter 9. Now, I believe it's important for us to start with the context of these few verses. Where, where do they come from? Why are they here where they are? Well, our passage today is what is referred to as a summary passage, a, a few verses that, that concisely set the context of what's been going on up to this point. We're told that Jesus had been traveling through the Galilee region, visiting, it says, all the towns and villages. Now, it's important to note that, generally speaking, rich people in these days lived in the cities, and poor people lived in the rural areas. If you were a rich landowner, you lived in the city, and, and the poor people worked your land in the rural areas. And so it's also important to note that Jesus spent most of his time in his ministry in the rural areas. He does enter into the city on occasions for festivals and so on, and ultimately to die, of course. But most of his ministry was not spent in the cities. It was spent in the rural areas where the poor lived. And in fact, Jesus himself was poor. And he, he, he made no... Uh, no bones about that. He's, he even told us that he was. And so as he went from place to place, he often taught in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. And, but not only proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, but healing people who were sick and setting people free and so on. And so the chapters leading up to Matthew 9, 35 to 38, this summary statement is a record of of examples of Jesus proclaiming the good news, that the kingdom of God had come, and that demonstrating his authority in the kingdom of God by performing these miraculous acts. So the chapters before that, we see one after the other after the other of Jesus performing these miraculous works showing his authority. This set of verses that I've read this morning summarize what Jesus had been doing up to this point 
But it's also, they're also a transitional segment in the scripture. Because in this next section that comes after it, we read about how Jesus gave his authority to his disciples and sent them out to minister as they began to move from observing and supporting him to engaging the mission themselves. So it not only summarizes what he's been doing, but it also sets the context of what he's about to do of getting these others involved in it. Now, as I read this summary verse, I'm reminded that Jesus went to them. Jesus went to them. Yet there are numerous, even though there are you know, numerous references of crowds flocking around Jesus, that's true, but only because he first went to them. He went where they were. He went to the places where the poor and the marginalized, the broken and the hopeless lived. He went there and he brought to them a message of hope and a message of healing and a message of deliverance. He said that he would proclaim good news to the poor and he was true to his word. To do it, he needed to go where the poor were. Now, the church can sometimes fall into this trap that we would call come and see, a come and see approach, believing that we need to do everything we can to attract people, to convince people that they should come to our church, come and see. But I want to remind us this morning that Jesus' approach was not come and see, it was go and be. Go and be. Go where the poor and the marginalized and the broken and the hopeless are and bring them hope where they are through Jesus. Because the truth is, the goal of our faith is not to bring people to church. That's not the goal of our faith. The goal of our faith is to bring people to Jesus. That's the goal of our faith, and that means going to them. Coming to church will take care of itself later. But we're not trying just to get people to come to church. We're trying to get people to come to Jesus. So that's the context of our scripture. Secondly, compassion. Our scripture says when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus was a truth teller. He saw it for what it was, and he called it out when he saw it. He was a truth teller. The people that Jesus was seeing, it says he saw them, were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Whenever this reference is used in the Bible, sheep without a shepherd, it refers to failed spiritual leadership, failed spiritual communities. That's what it refers to. And so the religious leadership, the religious culture of Jesus' time had drifted from what God had intended, and the focus instead was on power. The focus was on influence, on control. The focus was on legalism. It was on political maneuvering. That was the focus. And as a result, the people were suffering from a lack of genuine spiritual care and leadership. And Jesus said that the burden placed on the people as a result of this was too heavy for them to bear. They were cru being crushed under the burden of, of, of this broken spiritual 
community. The rich were getting richer, and the poor got poorer. The people were harassed by the religious establishment. The very ones who should have been there to help them, they, were, you know, they weren't helping them at all. They were harassing them, and they were helpless themselves to bring any kind of change. Sheep are defenseless creatures. They need a shepherd to take care of them because they're very vulnerable to harm. They're not good foragers. And they lack the ability to take care of themselves. And so they need someone to take care of them. And when Jesus looked at the crowds, he saw helpless sheep left to fend for themselves. And people who were vulnerable, people who had needs that weren't being cared for, people who were breaking under the weight of legalism, people who were hopeless. That's what he was seeing. And he saw them because he went to them, and when he saw them, it says he had compassion on them. Compassion begins with empathy. It begins with empathy. The ability to enter into the feelings of others, to see them in their pain, to really connect to that and identify with it. Empathy is linked to feeling deeply within yourselves. Because in North American culture, our culture has mostly been influenced by, a, by Greek culture, that, that place within us where we feel these emotions and enter into people's pain, you know, for us, a reference is our heart, right? And we say, well, that's, that was heartbreaking. Or we say that, you know, my heart is heavy. I have a heavy heart because, because of that. And that's, that's the seat of our emotions within, you know, our way of thinking. For the Jews, they didn't refer to the heart as the seat of the emotions. For the Jews, it was their bowels. They considered their bowels the seat of the emotion that, because they, they, the feeling went, was deep, deep within them. Deep within them. And that's what we see happening here. Compassion starts with empathy. Feeling the pain of someone else deep, deep within you, but it goes a step further. Compassion sees the pain. Compassion feels the pain. Compassion determines then to do something about it. Compassion determines to try and alleviate the suffering. And so Jesus saw the poor. He saw the oppressed. He saw the hopeless and the wounded and the marginalized. He heard their cries. He said he would bring them good news. And he did. He did something about it. He took action. He was true to his word. If you were to ask me what I am most proud of in this community of faith here at EPC, I would respond to it that what I am most proud of is that this is a community of compassionate Jesus followers who see those who are harassed, who see those who are helpless like Jesus did, and respond generously. I believe that's who we are to our core. That's who we are. If you were new today and you said, tell me something about this church, this is what I would tell you. That's who we are to the core. That's the DNA of, of this church. That is our culture here. Compassion resulting in generosity. When we hear that there are people who are new to Canada and they need essentials, 
we are moved and we do something about it. When we hear that indigenous children need basic school supplies, we're moved and we do something about it. When we hear that children in Pakistan can escape the cycle of poverty that their families have known for generations simply with an education, we are moved and we do something about it. When we hear stories of a man in Cuba who who lines up for 18 hours to get his 16-ounce ration of chicken only to get to the counter and find that it's all gone and goes home empty-handed and no money to buy in, in different places, we hear those stories, we're moved, and we do something about it. When we hear the stories of those escaping the bondage of human trafficking but nothing, with nothing but the clothes on their back, we're moved by those stories, and we do something about it. When we hear of children in Central Asia that are literally thrown away because they have disabilities and they end up in orphanages, when we hear those stories... We're moved, and we do something about it. And so our challenge here at EPC is to continue, to continue that and to expand our view, continue to see who else is out there to be seen so we can see more who are harassed and helpless and do more to help as best we can. Folks, sadly, there are some whose harassment and Helplessness has been inflicted by the church, by believers. And if that's the case, then we have work to do in terms of repenting of those things and healing the wounds that the church has created. When we hear influential voices within North American evangelicalism declaring that social justice is a distraction from the gospel, we need to stand firm and declare that social justice is the gospel because Jesus said so. We're not called by God to reject justice. We're not called by God to inflict judgment. We're not called by God to be spiritually arrogant. We are called by God to do justice, to love mercy, and to be humble as we walk with God. We are called to not only feel it, but we are called to do something about it. Thirdly, commission. Jesus shifted from a sheep metaphor to an agricultural metaphor. He said, the harvest is plentiful. The harvest he was talking about, it symbolized all of those who were harassed and all these helpless people. And there was a lot of them. And so the harvest, he said, is plentiful. There's, There's a lot of helpless and harassed people. The problem wasn't a lack of need. That wasn't the issue. The problem was a lack of response, a lack of workers, a lack of people who were willing to see the poor, see the oppressed, the hopeless, the wounded, and the marginalized, and then do something about it. Now, it's important to note that the harassed and helpless people, the harvest, they belong to Jesus. They belong to Jesus. They're his. He refers to himself here as the Lord of the harvest. He's the Lord of the harvest. The Lord of the harvest is the landowner, the one who owns the harvest. And what he's saying is, it's my field. This harvest is mine. These people are 
mine. It's his harvest. And then he outlined what they should do to start. Now, it's really interesting because maybe you'd expect him to say, well, let's take some time to develop a strategic plan. Or let's just, you know, not waste any time at all. Let's just get on it. That's not what he, that's not what he said. The starting point, he said, pray. Now, prayer is not the substitute for labor here, but it was the starting point. He said, this is where you need to start. You need to start with prayer. Well, why, why start with prayer? I mean, why not jump right in or, or why not have some discussions where you share information and you figure out the best approach? Like, why would you start with prayer? Because prayer takes us to the place where we begin to see people like we never have seen them before. Prayer helps us see people like we've never seen them before. Prayer helps us to enter in to the deep pain of another person in a way we would not be able to without prayer. Prayer reminds us of the value of the poor and the oppressed and the hopeless and the wounded and the marginalized. Prayer removes the boundary lines that we set in place that separate us from the very ones that Jesus wants to embrace as we categorize these different areas. And so in prayer, the disciples would discover, interestingly, as they were praying for the Lord of the harvest to send forth workers, they would soon discover that they were the very ones they were praying for. They would discover that they were the workers. And they would be so moved with compassion that they would do what Jesus did, what he asked them to do. Folks, Jesus has called us to prayer so we can see people like we've never seen them before. So we can enter into their deep pain. So we can be reminded of their value. So we can remove the boundaries that we put in place that separate us from the very ones that Jesus wants to embrace. You see, in prayer, the racial dividing lines are erased, and we see people, his people created in his image. In prayer, the lines between those who just arrived in our country and those who have been here for a long time, those lines are erased, and we see people created in his image. In prayer, the lines between those who have and those who have not is removed, and we just see people created in his image. In prayer, the political lines and political allegiances are removed, and we don't see people adhering to any particular way of thinking, but we see people created in the image of God. In prayer, the lines between pro-vaccine and anti-vaccine come down, and we just see people created in the image of God. In prayer, we see the lines between straight people and gay people removed, and we just see people created in the image of God. The harvest is His. The people are His. 
all of them, all of them, without exception. I'm sure many of us have read Matthew 25 or quoted Matthew 25 many times. I'm going to read it for you in a moment. I saw something in there this week that I've not noticed before. Jesus, when talking to the crowds, he said, For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And Jesus said, the king will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these, this is the part I didn't see before, brothers of mine. Brothers of mine, you did for. They're his. All his. No exceptions. His. Prayer enables us to enter in to the pain of another person. Those who are his. And results in us wanting to do something about it because proclaiming the good news involves feeling the pain of another person and resolving to do something about it. I'm going to invite our worship team back. Today we are celebrating communion. And many times over the years, I have reminded us of who was present around the table when Jesus shared communion under that new covenant with his disciples. There was one around the table who would betray him, which would result in his eventual brutal crucifixion. There was one around the table who would deny him, deny that he even knew Jesus. There were two around the table who constantly jockeyed for a position of honor and power in the kingdom to the point that their mom got involved to try to convince Jesus to to give them what they were asking for. The others around the table would run and hide when things got intense. And what never ceases to amaze me is that Jesus knew all of that, yet he still shared his table with them. Now, I share this often as a reminder to us to stay humble, because without the grace and mercy of Jesus, none of us would be worthy to be around his table. It's only because he saw us harassed, helpless. It was only because he took upon himself our sin, our pain, and our hopelessness. It's only because he had compassion that went beyond the emotions and the feelings and and carried it through to do something about it 
that we are here today and can even gather around this table. And so my prayer today is that communion will remind us to always be as compassionate and generous as Jesus is, as Jesus was to us as we share his grace with those who need it. I'm going to invite you to stand with us this morning. Andrew is going to lead us prior to celebrating communion together as we bring our service to a close this morning. Savior alone I carry the cross For all of my debts He paid the cost Salvation complete Now forever I'm free Calvary covers it all Oh Calvary Covers it all My sin and shame Don't count anymore I'll praise to the one Who has ransomed my soul Calvary covers it all. Oh, Calvary covers it all. My sin and shame don't count anymore. I'll praise to the one who has ransomed my soul. Calvary covers it all. Aren't you glad he covers it all? Not just some, but all. On the way in, you would have received a sealed communion elements. For those of you who are new to this, if you push the tab down with your thumb. Clear plastic top separates from the bottom. You can pull it back and access the wafer. And then you can pull the larger foil and access. In Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 to 24, Paul wrote to them and said, For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and he said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake together. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your broken body. Thank you that it was for me, for all of us. Thank you.
In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Let's drink together. Jesus, we are thankful for that reminder this morning. That Calvary covers it all. Calvary covers us all. And we're so grateful this morning for the incredible demonstration of love on the cross as you lay down your life, restoring us to the Father, giving us hope and a future taking us who were harassed and helpless, finding a way to purpose and meaning and hope. And we're so grateful for that this morning. And Father, as we stand before you today, we recognize that there are those that are a part of us in this community that need your touch today, that feel helpless that feel overwhelmed, that are suffering, that need a miracle today, God. And Father, we lift Cami up before you, struggling with arthritis. Would you take the pain? Would you comfort her and strengthen her? Pour your love out afresh upon her. Lord, we thank you that Edith is with us this morning. We pray for your strength. We pray for your healing. We pray for your power in her life. Lord, we pray for Emma today 
as things seem to be trending in the right direction, and we are grateful for that. And we pray, God, that you continue to work in her life. And Gina and with Todd, Lord. So many others that are here this morning that need you in their families, in their jobs, in their marriages, in their struggles, in their heartache, in their pain, in their losses. God, we are grateful this morning that Calvary covers it all. And Father, as we leave this place, may we be determined as we revisit the foundational pieces of our faith to come alongside you afresh, to join with you in your mission, your purpose. Lord, we want to proclaim good news to the poor. We are reminded today from your life, your words, your actions, that it begins with feeling and seeing the pain of others, but doesn't stop there. It reaches the point where we are determined to do something about it. Ministering in your name, in your authority, and in your power, seeing lives changed, and we thank you for it. Lord, as we leave this place, May you empower us, may you lead us, may you guide us, may you help us to be your voice, your hands, your love, your care to a harassed and helpless world that is yours. We pray these things today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here today. There is a garbage can on your way out if you want to drop your cups in there. Hope you have a great week, and God willing, we'll see you next Sunday. God bless you.